<laughs> and hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Movie Pit Podcast. It is officially kind of somewhat technically, not, not I guess not necessarily technically, but it is originally what was supposed to be the final episode of Spooky Season. Uh, the reason why it's not officially the final episode of Spooky Season is because I saved, of course, last week's episode, which is going to be a roundup of horror movie new, uh, horror movies rather that came out this year. That was supposed to come out last week, and then I realized, no, I'm giving, I'm, I'm removing a week of myself from horror movies. Uh, I don't want to do that. So there is technically one more Spooky Season episode coming up, but that will be, of course, after Spooky Season once we're in November. But uh, this was supposed to be our last Spooky Season episode. Kind of still technically almost want to consider it our last Spooky Season episode. But we are going to be, of course, talking about John Carpenter's Halloween. It is, yes, technically Halloween. So happy Halloween to all of you who may be listening this to, to this episode on Halloween. Or happy post-Halloween um, uh, candy coma, if you will. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween is the first horror movie that I can remember watching, which is why I consider Halloween my favorite horror movie and my very first horror movie and why it holds a very special place in my heart. It is one of the only horror movies that I can watch repeatedly and never get tired of and still to this day creeps me, <laughs> creeps me the hell out. Uh, I could be watching this movie in the middle of a sunny ass day or just walking about you know, minding my own business, and then I hear that score and just shivers down my spine. I'm gonna be up front. Halloween is what made me <laughs> is what made me afraid of the dark. And I have talked about darkness and, and my house and everything uh, on previous episodes. But I wanna mention that Halloween is the reason why I'm afraid of the dark, because I'm Mexican. Obviously I was born here in America, but I'm of Mexican heritage, and I grew up with the Kukui and La Llorona and raised with the fear of going to hell if I am a bad person and if I do bad things. But no, it was John Carpenter who made me afraid of the dark and in my own house, no less. I was scared shitless to go down into my basement, which at night I am still cautious about because I don't know what's down there. But uh, yeah, it, this, this was the movie that made me afraid of the dark. I watched, I also watched Halloween 2 that same night, uh, that same night, and it was a double feature, which is why I, I think it also holds a special place in my heart uh, for the first Halloween movies and the characters of Michael Myers, you know, aka The Shape, Dr. Loomis, and, and Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode, who is definitely on the Mount Rushmore of Scream Queens. Uh, I have a personal story with a Michael Myers, or someone who at least dressed up like Michael Myers. So I live pretty close, uh, I lived pretty close to my elementary school. And one day close to Halloween, obviously, it might have even been like the, the weekend before Halloween, uh, a friend and I were walking home from school and we had these mini pumpkins that we painted at school and we were walking down our block. We're like a few houses away from ours. She literally lived like she lived on the same block, literally a house down. It was my house, her house, uh, my house, random house, and then her house. And we're walking down. And we're walking and walking. At one point, I looked down the space in between the houses, the walkways, if you will, to like the backyards. And I notice what I think and what she thinks when she, once I pointed out to her is a life-size Michael Myers decoration or standing because I have seen one at the mall already. And, you know, they sell those now. I think those are more common now. But that's what we think it was. No, it wasn't because my friend and I were looking at it and the son of a bitch moves. <laughs> And it creeps, it, it scares the crap out of us, scares the crap out of us, and we run. I've never run so hard in my life. I dropped one of my pumpkins, 
I'm sad about that. I'm still sad about that to this day. And, and, and I just ran home. So obviously it was someone that lived in that house and used it to scare the crap out of kids who were walking home that day. So to that guy, uh, fuck you. <laughs> but I also have another story. And this one is related to the score. Uh, mainly, again, the, the, the main theme, like I mentioned. Again, it's October. This was 2006. This is during the international, the Chicago International Film Festival. My brother and my sister and I are downtown to watch a movie. And we met my sister down there because she, she, she works downtown. And we decided to go watch The Marine. Yes, the, the John Cena movie. <laughs> Before our international film festival movie, which happened to be The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Which I will talk about at length at some point in this podcast. Or on the podcast, not right now. So we get there, and we're a little early, and we go into the auditorium. And the lights are pretty much normal. You know, they're, they're dim. They're not, you know, fully on. And then the lights get dimmer and dimmer, and then it just goes pretty much completely black. <laughs> we don't know why. We just go along with it. We're like, you know, it's close to Halloween, you know, whatever, okay. No ads are playing on the screen. No music. And we notice there's like probably two other people in the auditorium with us at that point. And it, again, it goes completely dark, and then suddenly the Halloween theme starts playing. And <laughs> we all just start laughing because that's the only thing we can do at that point we don't know what's gonna go on we don't know if someone's gonna pop out or something no one did there was no reason for it it's just because it was close to halloween we don't know if they were doing it in other auditoriums at the time but i will always remember that day <laughs> and that feeling of sitting in a completely dark auditorium and the halloween theme starts playing that that no i, I didn't like that okay anyway back to the movie uh, i told you at the very beginning when i introduced the spooky season episodes that this wasn't really going to be a review series and i meant that and to this day i love halloween always have always will it's probably in my top three john carpenter movies to be completely honest it's never cheesy it's never tongue-in-cheek which this movie could have easily been if he really wanted it to but carpenter really wrenches the tension and the horror every chance he gets this movie was meant to scare the crap out of you it was menacing, it was mean, it didn't care, it wasn't bloody or gory like other movies at the time, it was a tension-filled movie that worked, and still works, even to this day. It probably helps that the movie a lot of the time isn't very well lit, <laughs> and maybe that is because that was a choice by John Carpenter, or maybe because it was obviously an independent movie and had, you know, almost a, a shoestring budget, but sometimes it makes you imagine what's going on. But that also added to my fear of the dark coming in, as many others probably as well. Those shots of Michael coming out of the darkness, where the first thing you see is his mask, are still, again, I'm be saying this a lot on the podcast, still creepy and terrifying to this day. I watched it the other day, and it's still, when he comes out of the darkness, I know it's coming, and it still freaks me out. And I always liked it. I never found, uh, I, when I found out these details, because I didn't when I first watched it, I was probably like maybe six-ish, maybe five, seven, around that time when I first watched it, Carpenter credits Michael as the shape because he always wanted he always wanted and intended Michael to be a force of nature. Not a man, not some just random guy wearing a mask killing a bunch of people, which is, is what he ended up doing. He really wanted Michael Myers to be a killing machine and nothing more. He made the mask so blank because he wanted the audience to put their fears on the mask. And have him be emotionless. So he doesn't have a personality per se. He, it is just a mask. You're looking into 
an emotionless face, if you will, when you're getting killed. And you have no rhyme or reason as to why. And then we have Donald Pleasance, uh, his, his Dr. Loomis, his face at the end, which I, I, I love and have grown to appreciate over the, over the years and over time. When he looks over the balcony after he shoots Michael, and we as the audience are probably like, at, especially at that time or when he first watched, he's like, he got stabbed. He's, he got stabbed in the neck. He got stabbed in the eyes. He's been shot six times and he fell over the balcony from the second floor. He has to be dead at this point, right? He has to be. Nope. <laughs> he's still alive. He gets up and Loomis's face is like, he's not even surprised. It's such a great ending. Because it's like he knows that Michael is evil, pure evil. He constantly is telling people that this is a pure evil man. He is not even human. He always refers to it or always refers to Michael as it. He never refers to him as a person. And that says a lot about his relationship with Michael and, and the relationship between Michael and Dr. Loomis in that original movie. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. And it worked so well. And I'm glad that Carpenter went with that because apparently they shot it twice. They shot it where Loomis, which is the face they ended up using in, in the movie, where he's not surprised that Michael's not there. And then there's another one where Loomis is surprised that Michael's not there. And I'm glad they went with that version because it just it, it adds to the obviously the mythos of, of Michael Myers and and the relation again, the relationship between him and, and, and Loomis. So you have this killing machine, a man on a mission to stop said killing machine. And then you have Laurie Strode, the babysitter caught in the middle. One of the best, if not arguably one of the best final girls in horror history ever. Does she run around and scream a little bit too much? Yeah, of course she does. There's a guy wearing a mechanics jumper with a, you know, whited out William Shatner mask and a butcher knife who just killed all your friends running after you. You probably run and trip too. I know I would. But I love that they make her at least capable. I mean, she's not fist fighting Michael Myers like Busta Rhymes or outsmarting him too much. She's just surviving and protecting the kids that she's supposed to babysit. If anything, my, Laurie Strode is the best damn babysitter in the world. Because <laughs> she protected those kids at all costs. And then after the events of the first movie, we jump to part two. And originally, Carpenter didn't want to do a direct sequel to Halloween. And at least not in the traditional sense. He, he didn't think that the shape or Michael Myers would be a household favorite name. Carpenter wanted to kind of do these anthology movies in and around Halloween. And his original plan was to kind of do a season of the witch, which was supposed to, again, takes, you know, place stories that take place in, in and around Halloween. It wasn't supposed to be about Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, but obviously fans wanted that. And he ended up doing part two, which, and he ended up adding the sibling storyline, which he admittedly did not like, but he did it because the studio wanted another Halloween movie. And then, you know, he, we got that instead. And obviously, uh, Halloween tw uh, 2018 erased the sibling storyline, and it is what it is now. And I'll admit, I don't watch Halloween 2 very often, because it was ra it was rarely in syndication. Although it feels like that has changed, because I do see Halloween 2 on a lot more than it used to be. And even though I watched it at the same time, I always preferred the first one. Uh, I don't know what it was, I just always preferred the first one. I mean, there's great visuals in part 2, don't get me wrong. 
the suffocation of the nurse in the hot tub, uh, Michael lifting the other nurse off the ground with a scalpel in her back and, and the shot of the blood running down Michael's eyes at the end. And that, of course, obviously famous final shot of, of Michael walking out of the fire after Loomis blows, you know, supposedly blows both of them away and him walking out and then just, you know, falling to the ground. It, it's great. It's it's great. There's there's great stuff in Halloween too. Admittedly, I, I always, if I had to choose between the one and two, I would always choose the first one. And there's some great moments and there's always great moments that I love. And the atmosphere, the characters are great. The atmosphere is right. Um, I mentioned, you know, talking about a little bit of my, my favorite scenes in the movie, I mentioned the ending, which which I love. But that whole final act is great, you know, from Lori walking to Annie's house to her coming back and her hiding in the closet. And then the shot of him breaking through, you know, the closet doors and him reaching out to her, that POV of Lori just seeing this random man that she doesn't know coming to kill her and attack her. It's great. But the scene that I've always appreciated even more now, especially after seeing an audio recording is right after that scene the closet scene is great so Lori thinks that michael is dead right she's doing her final girl oh it's over thing leaning against the door frame and then you see michael basically doing the undertaker and sitting up and it's silent no music which does the scene more justice and is more horrifying because you're like why would you turn your back to this guy who's been trying to kill you who you already stabbed in the neck once and and did not work but there's a video online that came out like years ago, and I don't know if it's real or not. They say it's real, but I always have that doubt. But I want to believe it's real. And there's audio of that scene from a movie theater when Michael sits up and everyone in the auditorium is losing their shit. And I want to believe that's real because if I am guarantee that's what people were acting like in the movie theater. Because you've grown so you've grown so attached to Lori, and by that point you're horrified of what's happening next and him just sitting up it, it's it's great um the the other thing of course that you know has been attributed to michael in those movies and it is one of my favorite scenes because like when i first saw it, i was like oh that's messed up but i've grown to appreciate it again way over time like the ending uh of, of loomis looking at michael's um supposedly michael's dead body and he's not there it's the head tilt and it's become synonymous synonymous with with michael and of course other villains of the time and it's when he stabs bob to the door and he admires his work and it adds and that is the only point where it adds some sort of personality to michael he's not yeah he's his og killing machine he's his yeah he's his killing machine but he's just sits there and he appreciates his work and it's the only time that we get any sort of personality from michael at all uh at least obviously at that point and it's been copied and done, but I feel like Michael is the OG of that look, and no one can do it better than him. Maybe Jason, but that's a whole other thing. Continuing the the things that I appreciate all these years later, there's these lingering shots, always. There's a bunch of them, but there's that lingering shot that has creeped me out over the years as I've watched this movie, and it's when Lori drops off the keys to the house in the beginning, and Michael comes out and Lori's already left and we see her and we see the over the shoulder shot of michael just watching her walk away as she's singing that song and all we hear is his heavy breathing and normally directors would cut after like a second or two it's like okay yeah the killer's watching her and that's it no carpenter leaves that shot for a little longer than i think anybody would have and it makes it so effective and i and i love it 
And it happens a little bit again later on with the shot of Michael following Tommy Doyle from school after he gets uh, bullied. And the score plays. And it creeps me out. I don't know why it creeps me out. It just creeps me out. And I have something, and it, creeped, it probably creeped me out back in the, when I first watched it. But it creeps me out even more because at that point, you don't know what Michael is really doing. Like, is he going after Lori? Why is he following Tommy around? Because did, did he follow Tommy so he can get to Lori or some, at some point? He just goes around and follows Tommy from school. And he gets in his car and then he just like follows him and he like he slows down and then he drives off. And then, you know, he goes and, and plays, you know, peekaboo with Annie and, and Lori from, from, from behind the bush later on. And speaking of Annie, Annie's death when she's being suffocated in the car. Because for all intents and purposes, we, we like Annie. We like all the women characters in, in Halloween. But then Annie is being choked out and then Michael is like, this is taking too long. And, and slices her neck. And that seems so effective because, like I mentioned, we, we like the, the woman character. So when, when, you know, Lori's friends all get killed, we're like, oh man, like, what, what, like Lori's not going to stand a chance. Like, why, like that, this is crazy. So I, I, you know, it's, it's the little things that, you know, wrench the terror and that, you know, make this movie so effective. But let's talk about what comes after the Halloween franchise came after that, after one and two, after fans didn't like what happened to the series of season the witch which has since become a, a fan favorite and now has been kind of sort of rectified michael was brought back no lori though but we got the other big fan favorite character of the series jamie lloyd played by daniela harris and then five came out which took a kind of a, a somewhat turn from the series because it started making michael a killer for the cult for the cult of thorn and six came out which had a double meaning because it was titled the curse of michael myers and that was because production was so bad on the sixth film uh, that they felt like it was cursed. And of course, you know, obviously the, the curse with the, the cult being in the movie as well. And then they're like, okay, we need to course correct. The, no, no one liked this. <laughs> no one liked it. We need to course correct. Let's bring back Jamie Lee Curtis. Let's do H2O 20 years later and make it a direct sequel to essentially, it feels like part two, although they, I don't think they really ever mentioned part two that much. And then this, of course, starts creating the multiple timelines that fans like to bring up all the time. And H2O is okay. I, I watched it recently uh, on TV. I don't have too much love for that one. I don't remember liking it that much when I first saw it. And I just watched it again recently. I still don't. I feel like they didn't, you know, use, like, they, I mean, they used the main theme. But I felt like they could have easily used the other themes too. Especially, like, when Michael's chasing down the kids or Michael's chasing down Lori. That could have been, like, a perfect time to, like, use the other themes of the, of the uh, uh, that we love so much. Instead, they decide to go original, which is fine, you know, uh, know, more kudos to them, but, you know, whatever. But then I think we can all agree that Resurrection came out. And I think the only thing that we can like about Resurrection, the only thing I like about Resurrection is Busta Rhymes fighting, fist fighting Michael Myers at the end. Trick or treat, motherfucker. And then the franchise went quiet for a while. Um, A lot of false start productions came out. Uh, You know, they were planning on other movies at the time. And just none of them worked out. And then eventually the rights went back to, you know, the original creators. And then it ended up with Blumhouse. And they team up at the time with a very weird team of David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. Both mainly working with the comedy genre with Green having literally just started doing less comedic work. I mean, he was branching out with Our Brand is Crisis, which was admittedly kind of a, a dramedy. And then he went straight forward drama with Stronger with Jake Gyllenhaal, where he's playing a survivor of the Boston Marathon, uh, the Boston Marathon bombing. 
And, and then it got even crazier because they got the approval of John Carpenter himself, who at that point had not been involved with the franchise since part two or part three, rather, because I think he produced Season of the Witch. So he came on board with this one kind of taking a um, executive producer credit and then being a composer for the movie, which I thought was great. His new score that he created with his son and um, the other guy, which I did not immediately put on my outline. I apologize for that. But that's this new score that they did for for the Halloween movies, especially that first one and the second one are great. They're awesome. They're, they're, they really are. And they didn't disappoint because I think Halloween 2018 for, let's say, for argument's sake, is the best Halloween movie, if not the closest one to Carpenter's original. And I think if you watch that and you ignore two and you watch, because I think this one ignores two, that this new timeline ignores two completely. Uh, if you watch Carpenter's original Halloween and then you just watch 2018, it's pretty it's pretty damn close it's it, it's it, it's like yeah this is this is a direct sequel you didn't need all the other stuff that this is it this is cool it was scary it was tense it was filled with characters that we liked or at least kind of liked it it did have some humor in it but it wasn't like over the top humor and the humor worked in it it was relentless it was that one take of michael walking through the street of the neighborhood and just killing random people it's really good. Doesn't get a little convoluted, maybe, but it, it doesn't make it bad. It didn't, didn't. It didn't go from like being too convoluted, where it was like, "What the hell is going on?" It 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 was good. It made Jamie Lee Curtis's Lori a real person, someone who dealt with a man man that killed her friends and emotionally scarred her. Again, the the, the sibling aspect is gone, which Carpenter again never really wanted, and. Now we're dealing with a woman whose life is messed up because she was chased by, again, this knife-wielding maniac on Halloween and trained her daughter to prepare, who then grew up to resent her a bit because Lori was so obsessed with Michael and him getting out, potentially, for her to then give, for the daughter, to then give Lori a granddaughter uh, that Lori also wanted to keep safe. It's it's a it's emotional family baggage that works. It's not like shoehorned in. It works, and it makes people and it makes the people in the movie feel real. We care about these new characters. We probably at least in the first movie we care about Lori's um, daughter and her granddaughter, as opposed to most slasher movies where we're like you know we like one or two characters. The rest are just you know we're okay with being Ken fodder. This. What Lori goes through is probably what someone would go through, and if it you know if it happened to them, and maybe not to this extreme, but at least very close to it. Whereas H two O, it was like yeah, I survived this maniac killing um, my my friends on Halloween night, but uh, and I get you know a little crazy on Halloween. That's fine, but I was able to move on. I had a kid, you know, I had Josh Harden as my kid, you know, I, I you know moved to California and you know became the headmaster of the school I'm fine no this 2018 is probably what would happen if, if to Lori not H2O no again nothing against H2O they touched on it but it was nowhere near what 2018 did and that's you know character growth that we always want to see and always you know talk about and then there's Halloween kills taking place similar to what uh Halloween the first two Halloween movies did literally right after the last one so it's 2018 and then halloween kills takes place immediately that same night and i know a lot of people didn't like halloween kills when i first saw it uh my reaction to the movie was it was just okay i didn't hate it but i didn't love it like i did halloween 2018 
I know the tonal shift throughout the movie with, you know, especially with the characters of Little John and Big John threw people off. And then there's the townspeople and, you know, the other escaped inmate and the evil dies tonight, which admittedly, you know, bogs the movie down a little bit. But it does lend the idea of what fear can do. Fear mongering at its finest is what Halloween Kills was. And all of it comes from, you know, little Tommy Doyle, who is all grown up and survived the first movie and is trying to prove that he's no longer that scared little boy from that first movie, that he can take care of the town, he can take care of Lori, because, you know, he says it, you know, you took care of me that night, now it's my turn to take care of you. And what happens is that an innocent man dies because of it, and he's still trying to convince himself that he, uh, he is right, even though Brackett, who is somehow still alive, tells him no. But, uh, we get that awesome that, that awesome that awesome flashback sequence at the beginning of the movie. It, in this timeline, shows that Michael gets captured, beaten up by the cops, and literally <laughs> almost executed by Loomis. Which I mean, yes, Loomis did shoot Michael with every intention to kill him in the original Halloween, and blew him up, and has always you know been trying to kill Michael from whatever timeline you you know you want to think. But Loomis standing over Michael with a gun to his head is something else and the creation of loomis which to this day still impresses me that that is just makeup it's not cgi it is makeup from a guy on set that looked eerily similar to donald pleasance and they just put some makeup on him and you know called it a day that was really cool that was very impressive and then we finally ended it with halloween ends and i i've mentioned this since we watched since i watched it the, I was disappointed by it. I, 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 and a lot of people were, and I can see why people didn't like it, and I could see what they were trying to do, but it just didn't feel like a cap off to the Laurie Strode and Michael Myers story that we deserved, especially how they marketed. I think the problem was was they marketed it as this is the final confrontation between Laurie and Michael when it ended up being something else. And then you have David Gordon Green coming on saying, my intention was never to make a Laurie and Michael movie, even though that's what the marketing was. Uh, obviously, marketing is trying to get you to go watch the movie, which marketing, congratulations, you did your job. But um, I think a little bit of the actual story of the movie probably could have helped um, fans out, especially people who you know don't pay attention to you know stuff online and stuff like that. But then there's the whole other thing with what Michael is in this timeline. Yes, he's got the old man strength. But is he supernatural? And it certainly feels like it. He takes down a whole mob surrounding him by himself. And Halloween kills. And then it ends, he basically is hulking up after he kills a character. He's try he's you know, he's like, Oh, I, I could finally, you know, I killed someone, I have my strength back, and, and he goes back to being good old Michael Myers. Or is he what Carpenter always wanted him to be, just pure evil and a random force of nature can he infect the townspeople who knows that's that's a whole other thing that i'm not going to get into because someone else can articulate that better than me but carpenter's original his first halloween movie is unknowing at the time but in hindsight what made me fall in love with horror the horror genre and it's why i love halloween so much it's not overly bloody it's a bit of a slow burn which i'm surprised that i liked back in the day because you know i i was a little kid i just wanted action on screen but i enjoyed it so much it's compelling to make you worth to sit down and see what's going on. The score, the score cues, the creative and iconic imagery, it's so, so good. And it's why John Carpenter is the man. It is why he is the master of horror movies. It is why he is one of the best horror movie directors out there, ever, period. Mount Rushmore of horror directors, John Carpenter's right there. It's why Halloween is one of my favorite horror movies. It doesn't rely on blood, doesn't rely on gourds. It's pure terror and tension it's the characters of dr loomis laurie strode and the shape and that's it 
And it's that. That's what it is. And I love it. It is, to this day, seriously, it will always be one of my favorite horror movies, if not my favorite. And no one can tell me otherwise. All right. And um, that's it. That will end spooky season um, for, uh, for, for this year. And that is the Halloween episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I I know there's more that I would love to talk about. Uh, you know, I, I wrote as much as I could down in my little outline that I have right here. But it that that you know, I, I think I've said everything that I need to say of why I love this movie so much, and why I love Halloween so much, and why I love John Carpenter so much, because he's able to take a, a shoestring budget horror movie and make it what it has become today, and it's fantastic and it's awesome so that is the halloween episode thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and for you know listening to the other spooky season episodes uh, like i mentioned next uh, last week there was supposed to be an episode of the horror movies of the year that i've seen so far uh i delayed that episode because again i you know was not giving myself a week to watch some other horror movies so that final episode will be coming out uh sometime next week maybe even sometime later this week uh, maybe, you know, maybe this week's going to be a, uh, three week uh, or three episode podcast. I don't I'm not sure about that, but, uh, that episode will be coming. Uh, that will t- technically be the final spooky season episode, uh, of the year, but uh, I definitely wanted to give myself more time to watch some horror movies. I'll be talking about the new horror movies that came out this year and, um, go a little bit into the, you know, other horror movies that I watched, or maybe I'll just make that a Twitter post, but, um, we'll be talking about the horror movies or horror adjacent uh, movies that came out this year that I've seen and uh, talk a little bit about those. So uh, look forward to that episode coming out uh, again, either later this week, maybe sometime next week, but uh, that will technically be the last spooky season episode. I won't label it as a spooky season episode because it's obviously sp- spooky season's over, but um, but yeah, well, that, that episode's still coming. I'm still doing that episode, so don't worry about that. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast this week. Let me know what you guys thought. Obviously, um, I'm going to need some fine tuning for next year. Uh, for spooky season i'm already planning out next year's spooky season but uh when those episodes come out obviously i'll let you guys know i've enjoyed doing this series uh obviously you know it gives me time to do some more podcasts and stuff but uh, i've really enjoyed what i've done with the episode so far could they have been better yes of course they could have been better even i know that but but i've I've really uh, enjoyed doing spooky season episodes so so here's the next year I will see you guys later this week with another new episode and uh, hopefully you guys have a happy Halloween and enjoy your uh, week and everything. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys next time. Hey, Mikey! Happy fucking Halloween!